You've all heard the saying, there is no I in team. Well, that's partly correct. But we each bring a unique perspective and experience when working as a team. So it can be viewed as a collective group of eyes that work together to build a team of success. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks. How to get it just right. With host Dr. Cass Henry. In today's program, we'll uncover the tools of team success in order to achieve winning results. Now, here is Dr. Cass Henry. Welcome to Unleash in a Goldilocks, how to get it just right. I'm Dr. Cass Henry, and I am so happy to share another hour with you. Open, respectful, and impactful conversations are necessary as we continually seek to understand and be understood. Part of this difficult conversation is the dialogue we must have about words, symbols, actions, and beliefs that can be thoughtless, divisive, and promote biases. We all fall into the trap of, you know, leaning back on the stories and beliefs and biases that we grew up around. They're not good or bad, they just are from the point of view of where we were raised. But as we look back as adults, are we capable of then looking at it through the lens of overcoming biases and say, hey, maybe the things that I observed and I was a part of, maybe that was not right. How do I put things back right? How do I change? Even though I didn't know any better growing up as a young person, as a child in that environment. And that is part of a very, very important conversation we need to continuously have. Because I have never met a human being who was not biased, right? And as an educator, as a practitioner, part of our struggle is how do we make better decisions knowing everybody has biases and how do we make decisions beyond our biases so that we make the right decision that's going to work for the organization, work for the people we serve at all times, and our biases are not going to come back to haunt somebody else. A good example I could give on the situation as I introduce the topic is my very first job in the United States was working for AT&T. And we were doing the upgrade for the broadband infrastructure. And we had to take down our channel lineups in the analog line items so that we had enough bandwidth to do the upgrade while we continued to provide service. So we were going from providing cable services to voice video data all in one uh, broadband network. And as part of that choice, I didn't know much about what people watched in terms of adult entertainment. And my boss, who was an African-American gentleman raised by his single mother, we were both, I was in my 20s, he was in his 30s. And we both looked at each other and said, you know what? We don't see why people would need this. So what if we take all the lineups we need to eliminate from the adult entertainment channels so that the children have their cartoons, the mothers have their daytime shows, people who want sports have that, people who want news have their uh, choices to take from. And we made a decision based on our biases because we both grew up in environments where adult entertainment was not something that was talked about. And in fact, it was not, you know, appropriate. And within, in less than 24 hours, we started getting calls from almost everybody who pay, pick up the bill, whether it's uh, 
a male or female, it was a gender neutral situation. They're like, why did you take off our channels? We want a refund. And quickly we realized it was not our place to make a judgment if it was a service we offer. And we had to apologize. We had to give everybody a credit for a day. And we went back and restored those channels. And then we took one or two channels out of every category. To me, that taught a very important lesson. Even if I think it was a moral issue, if the organization has committed to provide a service, then I will have to put my bias aside and do what I need to do as a professional in that organization. It was a very important lesson learned for me. And so I've carried that lesson with me so that I stop being judgmental and I look at the situation from different vantage points. And to me, this was the first step in dealing with any issue, right? Understanding and acknowledging that I have a problem, we have a problem, we have a situation, therefore we need to deal with it. This requires courage as well as a desire to heal the wounds of the past, whether people got hurt, consumers got hurt, or we are causing harm in a community. We need to be able to see that by stepping aside from our biases, right? And then identifying the root cause through conversation and dialogue, and then going beyond that talk to actually take action to solve the problem. And while solving the problem, we need to be mindful of the social justice and shaping the right public policy in a society so that we are building a inclusive community. So the goal today is to talk about how do we understand the symbols and the words and the things that we have grown up with that sometimes people don't stop to think that it is hurtful, it is harmful. And how do we go beyond that to build a harmonious society and to have this very, very time critical conversation on this episode, Courageous Conversation, a shared path forward is Dr. Adrian Coleman, a nationally recognized speaker and researcher who serves as the director of equity and inclusion as the Illinois Mathematics and Science Academy. Dr. Coleman, welcome to the show and it is truly an honor to have you on my show. Thank you so much, Dr. Henry. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Um, I think looking at aspects of implicit bias and as well as diversity and inclusion, it's so important in order for us to unify as a society. And right now, there's truly a divisiveness that exists, and it exists because of how people identify, because of how Mm -hmm. people were raised, because of the backgrounds that they come from. So I'm very much looking forward to this dialogue. I could not agree with you more. And before we get started on the meat of the conversation, though, I really want the listeners to get a context to who you are and where you've come from and what got you to a point where you've decided this is your social change mission and you're going to be a part of being the change agent in this journey, right? What got you to this point? Well, just a little bit about my background. I'm actually uh, from the south side of Chicago. And mm-hmm. um, Chicago is a very segregated city. So I lived in a predominantly black area, but in order for me to get the best education, at least uh, according to my parents, they Mm -hmm. felt it would be best for me to go to a school outside of my neighborhood. And so I ended up going to a predominantly white school that was located over an hour from where I was actually, uh, where I resided. And so Mm -hmm. 
during that time, um, I went through a lot of issues in which I felt I was discriminated against by teachers, by administration. Um, mm-hmm. I also felt that I was discriminated against by people who look like me um, because I'm um, of the darker hue and colorism is very prevalent um, in the black oh, yes. community. Mm-hmm. And, and so that kind of started um, my interest in saying, well, what do we do about this? Because I don't want anybody else who comes asking me to feel as if they've been discriminated against. And so for the first half of my life, um, I really didn't necessarily feel comfortable in my own skin. Okay. I, I had kind of low self-esteem, and it was because people made judgments about who I was without getting to know who I actually was. Uh-huh. And so um, in my early 20s, I actually had an opportunity, a job opportunity, to move to New Jersey um, and work at Rutgers University. Now, at that time, I had a, a master's of science in health education okay. and a master's of science in education. So I went to work with our health department um, at Rutgers University. Well, they asked me to teach a health and social justice course. Um, okay. And in, in teaching that course, I really began to learn more about social justice issues. Mm-hmm. And that that really empowered me. And when I moved yeah, so. to New Jersey, I was mm-hmm. in like this really different community. All of a sudden, I wasn't living in a segregated community. I was mm-hmm. living with people of all backgrounds, of all races. And mm-hmm. for the first time in my life, I felt comfortable in my own skin. And it's because I learned, it's because people accepted me, it's because I resided with all of these different cultures and I began to learn about them as well. And that is such an important journey to recognize only because we all have a similar story, right? They're different, but similar. We've all gone through experiences that have made us feel that we are less than or we're not good enough or there's something wrong with us. And step one is recognizing that so that we can get beyond it. And you bring up a good point about color and it is not something that is unique to the black community. I'm South Asian. I come from an island nation that has been a Portuguese, Dutch and an English colony over 400 years. Even inside families, children with lighter skin are preferred over children with darker skin. It's a world of arranged marriages. Boys do not want to marry a girl with darker skin. I would be considered very dark in my culture. I'm dark by that standards because you can be different shades of light brown to dark brown, right? And so it does tend to affect a person unless you can step beyond it and say, I don't care what you look, what you think of me, I'm going to be whatever I want to be. And I grew up and saying, is, hey, go ahead. I was going to say, and sometimes it's very difficult to develop that mindset that That's I true. don't care what others think of me. Mm-hmm. It, it's human nature to want to be loved, to want to be liked, to want to feel you know, valued. So it's sometimes difficult, especially for young people, to develop sort of that that kind of growth mindset that I don't care what people think. I'm just going to continue to do what I think is important and continue to live my life and meet my goals. Mm-hmm. 
That's true. Some people have it, not everybody have it, and different people have it to different degrees. And some people, everybody has to go through their own journey to get there, right? Yes. And everybody needs somebody who will help them deal with that too at some point in their life. And I think that's why it's important to talk about where each of us came from, how we got there. And now all of those are our own biases, right? Yes. So they become our own biases. So how do you deal with that in your life that we're informed by our history, right? Yes. And and I, I think that's very important to understand your history, but also the histories of others. And mm-hmm. the best way to do that, of course, is through study. Education is so important. But I also think having courageous conversations is a way to better understand other people. It's a way to diminish bias, to diminish those stereotypical mm-hmm. perspectives that you have of other cultures and races. See, there's a, um, there's a theory that's referred to as the cycle of socialization. And basically it says, you know, when we're, when we're born, we're born uh, with no judgment. We're born without bias. But as you grow and develop, um, you get all of these different messages. You get messages from your parents. You get messages from the media. You get messages yes. from school, the church. And depending on those messages, they can either be positive or very negative. So you begin to formulate thoughts and opinions and perspectives about different groups of people. And mm-hmm. those thoughts and perspectives, some may be accurate. Some may be very inaccurate. Some may be based on isolated incidents. But if you really want to get beyond that, if you really want to understand who groups of people are, it's important to have courageous conversations. It's also important mm-hmm. to not let one bad interaction with a, um, a particular group, you know, kind of impact your thoughts about the entire group. I so, um, Glenn Singleton has these four agreements of courageous mm-hmm. conversations that I really try to promote. Um, and if you like, I can go through what they are right now. Okay. Can, can we just hold that thought? We need to go to break. We're a little over. Okay. Let's go to break, come back, and pick this conversation up because I really want to talk about the sources of the bias and what happens there, and then we'll move forward from there. All right. Sounds good. Okay. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes, and financial growth. Positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's CassHenry.com for more information. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance, improvement and change management, and corporate finance. 
For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's CassHenry.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You're listening to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. To reach Dr. Cass Henry or her guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Henry at hotmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. You're joining us in the episode... Courageous Conversations, Our Shared Path Forward. Dr. Coleman, when we went for break, we were talking about the importance of understanding the source of the words and the symbols and the different things that are shaping our biases and under how understanding that is so important to shape our path forward. So if you can go back to that thought and build on that, I would appreciate that. Yeah, so... Um I was talking about the cycle of socialization in which, you know, as young people, as we're developing, we receive all of these different messages about who different groups of people are. And we're getting these messages from a multitude of sources and sources that we actually trust. And when you hear something from a source that you actually trust, you're going to accept it as true. Well, Mm -hmm. that source could have had um, a, a really poor encounter would say someone of the African-American race. And then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden, that person says, well, all African-Americans are bad. All African-Americans are are violent. Um, The same goes with someone who may identify as LGBTQIA+. They might say, well, our religion does not allow us to believe in people being gay or lesbian. And because of that, you develop this sort of negative stereotype about who these groups of people are. So what we mm-hmm. kind of need to do to diminish those messages is, one, go out and learn. Go out yes. and find out about two different groups of people. Get a better understanding of their history. If there are some issues that are occurring in that community, find out, well, what are the, what are the environmental factors? What are the social factors that are causing these sorts of issues? Um, and, and lastly, I think it's so important to begin to have courageous conversations with individuals. Um, Glenn Singleton has this concept referred to as the four agreements of courageous conversations. And, and when you're having these conversations, it's important to, one, stay engaged. A lot yes. of times when we're having conversations, um, we're, we're listening but we're also thinking about how we're going to respond to the person. So that yes. means you're not truly listening. You don't hear every single concept, every single word they say. So when you're having this sort of conversation with a person who's different than you, it's important to truly listen. Once that person is finished talking, pause, reflect, and then respond. Mm-hmm. Two, speak your truth. Tell people about your experiences. You, the first question you asked me was really about my background. You wanted to have an understanding of who I am. Why do I yes. do the work that I do? And I spoke my truth. 
So when mm-hmm. you're having these conversations, don't be afraid of, you know, I guess offending anyone. Truly mm-hmm. speak your truth. Um, don't don't be concerned about what others are going to think and feel because it's your story and only you can tell your story. Number totally three, agree. experience a bit a bit of discomfort. Anytime you're talking about anything that's different or anything that's controversial, you're gonna you're gonna be a little uncomfortable. It's okay to be uncomfortable. You know, experience it, embrace it. That's when you truly start learning. And number four, expect and accept non-closure. We are not going to agree on everything, but we do have to come to a place where there's mutual respect um, that we have for one another, where we're not discriminating or causing harm against another because you have a different belief. Uh So what... Very, very important points, right? Most people listen to respond instead of listen to understand. And that yeah. is, and a lot of people think I'm good at communication when they say they mean they're good at talking. But literally communication starts with listening, processing, internalizing, formulating a respectful response and engaging in a constructive conversation. Talking comes in. It's towards the end yeah. and it's a full circle. And so mastering that is important. But I'm also a believer that when you're talking to somebody, not just listening with your ears, but engage all your emotional intelligence. 70% of the conversation is nonverbal. Therefore, just listening to the words are not going to help me understand. I need to watch all the emotional cues, the 70% of the body language needs to be heard. That means I have to listen with my heart. I have to see beyond with my eyes. I need to hear beyond my ears, right? And then truly understand the other's point of view and then share my perspective and expect the same in return. I I completely agree with you, especially if we want to change the the lens of how people are portrayed, we Mm -hmm. have to listen with our hearts. It is very emotional, and we have to understand that. And I think sometimes people are afraid to get too emotional. They're afraid to to show that they're concerned. They're Mm -hmm. afraid to show that they're angry, that they're sad. But really keening in on that body language is so important if you want to truly understand another person's experience. Because... Also, some people just cannot articulate their experience. So mm-hmm. you, 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 it's important to feel it. It's important to, to, to see them and see their entire being. Um, yes. That comes to um, what we refer to as intersectionality as well. Sometimes when it comes to um, diversity, we look at only the physical aspects of, or the, the visible aspects of diversity. We need to look at those aspects of diversity that are also invisible. And the only way you'll understand those invisible aspects of diversity is by truly listening with all aspects of yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you brought that up, Dr. Coleman, because I, as a finance executive in the private sector, I always say when I am recruiting for diversity, I don't just want to recruit people based on what they look on the outside to tick boxes. If I hire three different races, all coming from a community like Barrington, with their 
similar upbringing and no, not much different life experiences, then I'm really not getting diversity of thought, diversity of experiences, diversity of looking at a problem from different vantage points, diversity of helping us overcome our organizational biases. And that's a risk. What do you yeah. think about that? Well, well, I think that it's important to recruit those who have diverse perspectives. I also think it's very important to recruit those of different races, of different you know, socioeconomic yes. uh-huh. statuses, of different sexual orientations, yes. because uh-huh. that's the only way that we're going to solve the problems of the world. Um, let, let's take our healthcare system. Much uh-huh. of the research that is done in healthcare is done on white males. Right? Definitely. And so we truly only have an understanding of white males in terms of how to cure heart disease. We have to do research on people from all races. And sometimes mm-hmm. you need people from that particular race or from that particular background to engage in the research so that they can provide the explanation, so that they can provide mm-hmm. a better understanding and put it in a better context, a very cultural context. Mm-hmm. So it's important to have that diversity of thought and perspective, but it's also important to have the diversity of race and sexual orientation and gender and things of that nature as well, especially if we want to solve the problems of the world. Mm-hmm. I always jokingly say every office temperature is set to the male offices, right? Because office work used to be predominantly male. I always laugh about when we go for panel discussions, or sometimes you can tell in an office who designed the architecture, because if a woman designed the architecture of the office internal setup, internal uh, architect, there's a modesty panel on desks because girls wear dresses. But if a guy designed it, it's just a straight up table. So sometimes when I'm at panel discussions on a stage, if I'm not wearing trousers, I don't sit. Mm. Because because people don't think about it. People don't think about it. It's hard to walk in another's shoes. Yes, unless you, so I'm in the hospital with my husband this week, and every time my husband sits, I tell him, sit properly, because now you're wearing a dress, because he's in a hospital gown, right? So we joke about it. People don't stop to think unless they are put in a situation where they're dealing with it. Monday comes into play. You're, you're absolutely right. It's, and it's very hard to walk in another person's shoes. When that's not your experience, you believe, well, that can't be true. I've never experienced that. But as people, what we have to understand is just because it's not my experience does not mm-hmm. mean it's not true. Does not mm-hmm. mean it doesn't haven't impacted another person in a very negative way. And we have to be willing to be open to that mm-hmm. and understand that my experience is not the experience of everyone around me. And, and I sometimes have, I think, mm-hmm. go, go ahead, Dr. Henry. No, go ahead and finish your thought. Sometimes? Oh, no, and I was just going to say, and sometimes it's so important for us to try our best to walk in another's shoes. Always. Walk Always. Yeah, walk them out in another person's shoes before you criticize and choose, before you make mm-hmm. judgment about who that person is. That's That's an excellent piece of advice. And Technically, whatever culture we come from, we're taught that from childhood, right? Sometimes I wonder, we tell our children 
Be respectful with uh, with one another. Don't fight with one another in school. You don't always have to be right. Adjust. Give in. Right? Share your lunch with the others. And yet the parents yeah. turn around and do something very different. So we're disconnected from what we are telling our children versus how we are showing up in our adult lives. Yeah, and I think it's sometimes important for for adults to step back and think about the messages that they're sending to, to young people. And we don't do enough of that. Before, think about your own bias. Mm-hmm. And make sure that you're encouraging people, especially young people, not to be biased, to really look at everybody and try to understand everyone's background. That's an important message to send. Very, very important message to remember. And a lot of times, depending on the generation and where people are raised, it may be around us constantly, but that doesn't make it right. And like you said, when you left Chicago and went to New Jersey, you realized Chicago has all kinds of people here, right? Every race, religion, sexual orientation, but if people are in different pockets, then you're still segregated. It's a planned segregation, right? To give the appearance of yeah. everybody is one. And certain communities don't even have fresh food. There's only fast food available. One of the things that truly offends me is people saying, oh, a particular ethnic group is obese because they're not using their money wise and they're not eating the right food. But there are no fresh food stores in those communities. There is no transportation to get to fresh food. So you create an environment where that is the only option. And then to blame somebody saying it's your fault doesn't seem right. And then if you're in a poorer community, sometimes it is less expensive to actually eat foods that are bad for you than actually foods that are healthy for you. And Mm -hmm. on top of that, who is teaching these communities what's healthy for your body? Especially if, if, if these people in a particular community don't have access to doctors on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Or if they do have access, are the doctors really providing them the information that they need in order to live the healthiest life possible? You know, different groups receive mm-hmm. different messages. The, the, depending, because sometimes, you know, people have the mindset, well, this group isn't going to listen anyway. They don't care about themselves, so I'm not even going to share that information with them. Perfectly said. So we're going to go for a second break, Dr. Coleman. When we come back, I want us to take uh, a few minutes and talk about the importance of social justice and uh, public policy as we figure out ways to overcome our biases to build a more inclusive society. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes, and financial growth. Positive, motivated employees 
care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com for more information. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You're listening to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. To reach Dr. Cass Henry or her guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Henry at hotmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. You're joining us back on our episode, Courageous Conversations, Our Shared Path Forward, having this very, very insightful but critical conversation with me is Dr. Adrian Coleman. Dr. Coleman, what what is your recommendation on how we educate people on the social injustice and the importance of shaping more equitable public policy if we are truly going to make change. I bring this up because telling everybody, saying you passed the driver's test, now you have to follow the rules and saying you have to drive, uh, you know, in local communities, 30 to 40, in the highway, 60 to 70 is not enough unless you put speed limits, signs, and you put cops on the road to enforce those, right? So the public policy is so important, especially in our American society where law and order is how we maintain our social structure. Well, the first thing we have to do is truly identify the inequities that exist in our society. Right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I do in the educational space is I, I consider the inequities. And the reality is here in the state of Illinois, um, in terms of our school funding, it's based on property taxes. So if you live in a poor community, your school is not going to get as, as many financial resources compared to a school that's in a wealthier community. So mm-hmm. we have to look at those inequities and identify them. And once they're identified, then we need to put policy in place so that we can make sure that this becomes an institutional priority. So Mm -hmm. uh, most recently at my job, we created an equity and excellence policy. And pretty much we uh, we use the model of inclusive excellence, which means that diversity, inclusion, equity, equity equity-mindedness, cultural competence, and global, global learning, that's a part of every facet of our academy. Everything that we do, we're going to look at it through this sort of equity-minded and cultural competence lens so that we make sure that each of our students gets mm-hmm. what they need to be successful. 
and that differs from person to person. A lot mm-hmm. of times we want to treat everyone the same. And it's no, you have to provide people with what they need, and you also have to treat people as they want to be treated. So if we're going to address the social injustices that exist in our society, we have to understand, one, that it exists, look at the data, Mm -hmm. develop policy around it, put a plan into action, and that plan needs to have input from everyone that's involved. Mm -hmm. It can't just be a few people, you know, developing something that's meant to be for Mm -hmm. an entire community. Yes, and I'm glad to hear you say we have to collect the data and do the analysis because that introduces the scientific method, which is one of the tools that helps us overcome the human biases, right? And when we look at the data, we not only uh, use property taxes for education, we use property tax for public safety. I've been teaching the public safety uh, and homeland security community for the last 19 years. And I teach fiscal aspects. We're talking about data analysis and finance in the two courses I teach. And the issue that comes up over and over and over again is the communities that are able to get lower tax dollars are the ones who need more support because those are the communities that have some of the challenges. And people don't realize if you have a neighboring community that has challenges, that seeps into the other communities. And it is in our collective interest that we fund everybody equitably so that people have the money to do what they need to do to create a safe, secure environment. And saying just because your community doesn't have the big corporations and doesn't have the affluent population living there, therefore you're not going to get as good a service, means their property values are going to continue to be depressed. That means they're going to attract the wrong kind of people into the community, right? So it becomes a um, self-fulfilling spiral in the negative direction. Yeah, and it creates these communities in which there's no hope, Mm -hmm. right? Instead of, you know, putting hope in a, a community, instead of putting resources there, so that people can be successful and thrive and live these great lives, all we do is contribute to their the, the negative aspects of what they have already. Mm-hmm. And in those communities, then community members are not comfortable coming out and speaking. So just two weeks ago, we did an education session out of a firehouse training room in the greater Chicago area in the north side. And one of the requests that came out of the fire department leadership is, how can you help us bring the different ethnic groups out to engage in a conversation? Because we can't serve them if they're not comfortable engaging with us, right? And so we're going to develop a whole host of programs and figure out what, test out what is going to work and what's not going to work and for what communities, how we need to approach and we don't have enough of that. And, and I think sometimes um, we have to go to the people. Mm-hmm. We can't depend on the people coming to us and seeking out the information. We have to take the information to them. We have to go and let people know that we really are concerned about who you are in your community. Mm-hmm. Trust is so important when, oh, yes. when you know, 
working with different groups of people. Mm-hmm. So how do you establish that trust? How do you show that you genuinely care and you don't have any sort of secondary motives? Mm-hmm. Well, that's by going to the people. That's by talking to the people. One of the things that um, we do in order to bring more diversity to um, our academy is we actually have a, a promise program. It's a pre-enrichment program for students in grades 5th through 9th in order to prepare them um, for math and science and prepare them to come to our academy. Well, we travel all the way to Chicago, Illinois, provide transportation, and we bring students to our academy. And the way that we get, we did that is we went to the different schools. And we talked to the administrators, we talked to the teachers, we talked to the parents, Mm -hmm. we talked to the kids. We got them vested in our program by showing that we were concerned and that we want to see them be more successful than what they already are. So sometimes it's important to step outside of our own comfort zone, go into another population, another community, and try to establish uh, those trusting relationships. Yes, and winning that public trust I think is the single most important thing in to, uh, in the journey of shaping that policy, right? Because if people don't engage and we don't get their input, then we're never going to get our policies right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So as we build on this conversation, and we've been talking about the different areas where this comes into play, um, how do we truly take into consideration, even within a, diff- uh, a group of race, there are different experiences? The reason I bring this up is not everybody who looks Caucasian is Caucasian, because the minute they start talking, you know, they're immigrants. Not everybody who is Hispanic have had the same experiences because they are from different countries. Not everybody who looks African-American and who are African-American have had the same American experience because some are immigrants from Africa directly. And some consider themselves African-American because they were born and raised and their ancestry is from the continent of Africa. But Africa also has white people. I lived in a community where a young boy checked the box saying he's African-American because he and his family had just immigrated from South Africa. He was suspended from school by the teacher uh, being accused of making fun of African-Americans and the parents had to come and talk to the school board. Well, I I think it's key to understand that because you identify in one way or in several ways, you do not represent that entire community. Now, there are some cultural commonalities that people have, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's important to get to know people as individuals and not make assumptions about who people are because you may have had one negative interaction with someone who belongs to that same race or that same gender or that same you mm-hmm. know, social class. So, you know, Getting to know individuals is important, and that also goes back to having those courageous conversations. But it's also important to understand the history of groups of people, because that can tell you why, you know, this particular group may have the issues and concerns that they have. So it's important Mm -hmm. to know that history, but it's 
also important to get to know individuals. Yes, every individual's perspective and their experiences are different. And I think the ones who struggle a lot are children who come from um, mixed race families because they don't look like either one completely. People who don't fit in in any bucket. I mean, there are times uh, people don't know where to put people in terms of which bucket people belong to. I don't know why that is even an issue, but it is very, very common that everybody wants to put people in the boxes they can tick, right? Yes. And, and so that, how, how, that again, what is your that, advice for that? Yes. Uh huh. So here is a real example. In a governmental organization I was a part of, I was the CFO for this organization, and at our board meeting, uh, an issue came up um, where one of the board members was asking how many African Americans work in your organization. And the organization that was responding was a European company, And they said, there are no African-Americans working for our company because we're a European company. And in England, if you're British, you're British. In France, if you're French, you're French. We don't say you're Indian French or African French or English French or American French. You're French. It's only in America you have, in addition to being an American, you're something else. And our board did not understand Our board definitely did not understand, and they had certain very rude remarks that shocked all of our staff. So how do we deal with that is the question I had for you. But you know what? If we need to take a break, let's take a break and get back to wrap this conversation up. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes, and financial growth positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's CassHenry.com for more information. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's CassHenry.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. listening to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. To reach Dr. Cass Henry or her guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Henry at hotmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
Welcome back to Unleashed in a Goldilocks, how to get it just right. You are joining us at the final segment of our episode, Courageous Conversations, our shared path forward. Dr. Coleman, what is your advice for people as we look at our huge desire to put people in boxes, categorize them? It's almost like a library. We, we need to classify and put everybody in the right shelf. Well, the first thing is to understand why this exists, especially here in America. It is part of our history, and we need mm-hmm. to acknowledge that it's part of our history. And what I mean by that is that race is a social construct that was made up so you, to privilege some people and to ensure that others were less privileged and disadvantaged. So we have to understand and own that. that that's the first thing. From there, we can begin the healing process. Once we actually acknowledge that this is a a thing, that this is an issue, and that it's um, ingrained in our history, I think from there, we can heal. And in terms of healing, in terms of moving forward and bringing us together as a society, the first thing we have to do is give up being color, gender, race, and age blind. Uh, A lot of times people say, well, I'm colorblind. I don't see color. Well, when you say that, you're saying to a person, you don't see who they are. You don't understand them. And and that means that makes them invisible. Another Mm -hmm. thing is acknowledging that we we all have bias. You said it at the beginning of the show. Uh Bias exists within all of us. Acknowledge that. Own that. But then check your bias. Retrain Mm -hmm. your mind. So that when you're in situations, you're constantly aware of that bias. And the, the, a good thing to do is sort of those stereotypical perspectives that you have intentionally seek sort of counter-stereotypical images. Mm-hmm. Try to find something that's different than that stereotype. Uh, be mindful of making snap judgments. When you make a quick judgment about a person, it, it might be oppressive in nature. It might be very biased. So before you make a, a, a decision or a judgment, sit, time, sit down, take time to really think and reflect. Mm-hmm. Um, have these courageous conversations. I, I won't say that enough. We have to talk to one another. It's so very important. Um, I know also that we talk about differences, but we have commonalities as well. So embrace and honor those differences, but also look for commonalities that you have with, you know, different people. And that will help to sort of eliminate some of that bias. I think it's human nature that if we find enough commonalities then we will stop seeing our difference. And that's why I like what you just said. There is more that is similar, therefore we are so much more alike than we are dissimilar. And I know this because I've lived and traveled and worked in different parts of the world, and I left my home country uh, at the age of 16. And I will tell you, once people get to know me and I make the effort to get to know the culture and understand how that local society functions... I don't feel like an outsider and they don't treat me like I'm an outsider, right? 
And it's a matter yeah. of finding those points of references that are common. Yes. And Harvard University has an um, implicit association test that you can actually take. Um, and it's in so many different categories. They have race focus, religious focus, gender focus mm-hmm. categories. And it's a test that will tell you kind of what your level of bias is. And so mm-hmm. it makes you think and truly reflect on your bias. So I encourage everyone to go out and take that Harvard University Implicit Association test. It's a free test, um, but it, it's very um, informative, especially as it relates to your own individual bias. And that is such a valuable tip you just gave. And I am sure our listeners will find that information uh, handy they can go and research it, find it, and then actually know where they fall, right, based on the test they take. Yes. And then knowing where each of us are is the first step to then figuring out how we move forward. And yes. I cannot thank you enough for the wonderful advice, guidance, and insights you have shared, Dr. Coleman. I know this is not enough time to even scratch the surface of this very important topic. So I really would like to see if uh, you and I can continue on this conversation and build on this and maybe even take it to a place of how do we uh, use this conversation to build on making STEM education more inclusive and giving opportunities for all our children to reach for the stars. So if you would accept my offer to come back on the show, I would love to continue this conversation. Dr. Henry, I will definitely come back to the show and continue the conversation. There's a lot of work to be done in in diversifying the STEM education career pipeline, and I would love Mm -hmm. to come back and share some of the research that I've conducted on how to approach doing that with you. Oh, that would be wonderful. Thank you so very much. Have a wonderful week, and uh, appreciate you coming on the show this time around. Talk to you soon. And to my audience... My pleasure. This show is all about our shared journey and staying true to this goal. I will continue to bring content that helps everyone transform ourselves and our communities we live in. Please share your thoughts, your feedback, and the topics you want to talk about. Write to my email address, drcasshenry at hotmail.com. As I bring the show to a close, I really would like to share some words of wisdom from my role model, Gandhi. He says, we win justice quickest by rendering justice to the other party. And this being uh, the month we're celebrating the life work and continuing um, journey of Dr. Martin Luther King, I want to close with, if we can't try, we need to run. If, If we can't fly, we need to run. If we can't run, we need to walk. If we can't walk, we need to crawl. But whatever we do, We have to keep moving forward. And I am counting on every last one of you to continue this conversation in your own circles. Think about biases. Think about how we are inadvertently causing harm, hurt, and disruption in our own families, in our own communities. And then turn around and do something about it. Because we have the knowledge of understanding that Every human interaction is an opportunity for our transformation. So let's go out there. 
Let's transform lives. And please don't forget to start with your own. Thank you for tuning in to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, how to get it just right. Please join Dr. Cass Henry again next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another edition of the program. We'll see you then.